If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter five. We're gonna be hanging out there. This is, this is a place in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. This is the first message that Jesus, that we, is recorded that he publicly preached. It's also the longest message that he preached that he taught to the people. He taught them rules for living. I just concluded a series last week called The End of Me, and it was about the Beatitudes, the beginning part of this sermon, but I can't really get away from this. There's so much in it, so I want to continue tonight with a different part of what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 in a message I'm calling Second Mile Living. Second Mile Living. We hear a loud, commanding voice ringing out that, permeates the air. 13 men look to their left. What's all the commotion about? The men looked around and they see this Roman soldier barking orders at this young Jewish man. Jew, carry my bag was the instruction. And these 13 men watched and they listened as this young Jewish man pleaded with this soldier, but sir, I'm on my way to work and and my business must be opened before the early morning rush. I don't have time to carry your bag. I'm going in the opposite direction. And the soldier began to draw his sword and he repeated his orders, Jew, carry my bag. So finally, the Jew Houghton frowned and obeyed his orders and picked up the bag and began to carry it. The 13 men looked on as they watched this episode kind of unfold and they were, they were not really surprised by this. This was normal in this first century culture. You see, just about a decade before Jesus was ever born, the Roman Senate passed a law. And this is what the law said. In any conquered province within the Roman Empire, soldiers may compel able-bodied men to bear their burden one mile, but no more. Now let's leave it up for a second. This was the law passed by the then Senate of this first century culture. Now if you get a picture of the world, of the then known world, Most all of it, about between 80 and 90% of it, had been fully occupied by Rome. Total world domination had been taken place by Rome. And, And so this period is known as the Roman occupation of Israel. Israel was part of this Roman occupation in the first century. It was not out of the norm for a Roman soldier to place his gear upon a Jewish citizen, a young man, and command that Jewish man to carry his load or to bear his burden. It's kind of a a, a sort of forced employment. You don't have a choice or you could die. If a Roman soldier saw a Jewish boy or a Jewish man he could command them to carry, according to the law, his bag, his burden, for up to one mile. And they would be required to carry that burden or that bag for an entire mile. But the thing is, most of the Jews, and I can understand this, I bet you can connect with this also, most of the Jewish young men would not carry that bag 
or that burden or the, the material that the Roman soldier commanded them to carry not one foot, not one inch further than the law required. Now, a Roman mile was different than a mile is for us. A Roman mile was a thousand paces or about 1,520 yards, a little bit shorter than the English mile that we have today. But as you can imagine, this law caused terrible resentment among the young Jewish men who were commanded to carry the burden with the Roman government. They hated them for this. And then inside out, upside down, backward thinking, against the flow, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, in the Sermon on the Mount, this message to all of his people, he says in Matthew 5 verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Surely he's kidding. Surely this is one of those in the middle of the message kind of jokes to kind of break the, 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 the pressure that we're feeling in this thing. Surely he's joking around. Does he really expect us to do more than this twisted, perverted law requires us to do? But in essence, Jesus was saying to his disciples, the people who chose to follow him, to you and to me, he is saying to them that we need to be willing to do more than the legalists who do no more than what's required of them. Oh, this is gonna get in your business tonight. The phrase, going the second mile, has found its way into our modern jargon. It has its roots in, in this, in the first century Palestine. The, the Romans had conquered the then known world, and one of the marvels of their conquest was this vast highway system that they had put in. It's really rather spectacular. They built these super highways that led to all of their conquered territories. Listen, um, archeologically speaking, there were over 50,000 miles of Roman roads throughout their empire. And on, and on each road, there was stone markers 1,000 paces apart from each other, a mile away from each other. The, the New Oxford English Dictionary calls them uh, guide stones. And these guide stones pointed directions. Maybe they would determine distance, kind of like the green signs you would see on our freeway systems today. They warned of dangers. But each one of these stones, every one of them had the miles to roam etched upon them, and that's where in this modern world we get our phrase, all roads lead to Rome. No one likes to be made to do something. You know, you put your hands up, and you put your hands against somebody else's hands, and you push, they're just naturally gonna push back. It's a great experiment. We do that. We don't like to be told. It, we'll complain about it. We'll argue. We'll simply refuse to do it. We even do that with our bosses sometimes. It's like, well, they didn't ask me. Well, they shouldn't have to ask you, right? Because you're employed by them. You should do what you're told to do. But we don't like being told what to do. Jesus instructs us. He's like, you know, you can take the sting out of that situation. You want some marriage counseling? This will help you. 
You want some help with your parenting skills? This will help you. You want to deal with your uh, unruly neighbor? This will help you. You want to deal with the coworker that's driving you crazy? This will help you. Jesus says, take the sting out of the situation by being willing to carry that burden an extra mile with a cheerful heart. Well, that sounds impossible. All things are possible with Jesus. And so what I want us to do for a few moments tonight, the 15 minutes that I have remaining, is I would like to visit this thought of second mile living. And how do we do that? And what does that mean? So three thoughts, three thoughts that I would like for you to remember as a part of our New Life family and followers of Jesus. Here we go. Number one, Christianity requires second mile living. Christianity... There are 4,200 plus religions in the world. Let me say that again. There are 4,200 plus religions in the world and it's growing every single day. Since the beginning of creation, there have been many, many religions that have been established. And here's a newsflash. Before we leave this earth, there will be many, many more that will be established. It seems like there is a religion for everything. One that worships, worships animals and one that worships trees and one that worships the sun and one that worships the moon. But, but there is one thing, really there are two things, but there's one thing that Christianity has that no other religion has. And, and the, the one obvious thing is, is grace. Full grace, unmerited favor. You can't earn in every other world religion has one thing in common and that's you work and earn your way in favor with their lowercase g, God. But with Christianity, with Jesus, you can't earn it. He's telling you it's impossible. It's just freely given. It's grace. But the other thing that, that Christianity has is Christianity is the only religion, faith, that is a second mile religion. We call ourselves Christians And if we do that, then we have to understand that we're called to live in the second mile. To love your neighbor is the first mile, all right? But to love your enemy is the second mile. To to bless those who bless you, well, that's the first mile. To bless those who curse you, that's the second mile. To do good to those who do good to you, well, that's the first mile. But, but to do good to those who spitefully use you and hate you, that's the second mile. <laughs> pray for those who pray for you is the first mile. Pray for those who insult you and say all kinds of rude things about you. That's the second mile. And so there's this group of people in this first century culture called the the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious elite, the people that should have known better. They lived in the first mile. Bless those who bless you and pray for those who pray for you and be kind to those who are kind to you. But the Christians, the followers of Jesus, the ones that he's talking to in this message, this first inaugural message of Jesus, he's saying, wait a minute, if you're gonna be a follower of me, I've got some inside out, upside down, backward way of thinking. You're not gonna be able to do what you've been told to do for centuries. Now, we're gonna go deeper. We're gonna go broader. We're gonna go higher, whatever you wanna say. Jesus says, you can't do this This first mile living, you've got to do the second mile living. In, 
in some faiths and some religions, and I'm not here to insult other religions, but I'm just here to tell the truth. You have to acquire a certain amount of money or status in the world if you're, gonna, if you're going to get to a certain place, a certain part, but Christianity is really unique. Here's one thing that's really unique. You cannot be a Christian and be any other religion at the same time. Not possible. Choose you this day. Trinity quoted Joshua. Who are you going to serve? You cannot be a Christian and be a part of another religion. I don't know if you know this, but you can be a Hindu and you can also practice Buddhism. I don't know if you know this, but you, you, you can be a, into Jainism and you can be into Taoism at the same time. You can be a Muslim and into Judaism at the same time. But Christianity stands alone. There is no backdoor, no alternative route, no, no, no uh, uh, alternative choices. If you're a Christian, then you live in the second mile. That's a good thing. That's safe, safety in that. So Christianity requires second mile living, but number two, Jesus requires second mile living. In fact, he modeled this in his life and in his teaching. In his life, we quickly realized that Jesus lived in the second mile. Um, remember, there was a, a, a young man by the name of Zacchaeus. Um, he was a twisted, messed up business tax collector. Jesus went to his house, that second mile living. This is someone who took advantage of the followers of Jesus, and yet Jesus blessed him. Remember the woman at the well? Um, uh, she had uh, multiple uh, affairs and, and, and husbands in her life. She was messed up, and yet Jesus spent time with her. Remember the, the poor man, Lazarus? Remember the, the, the man praying and beating his chest? These people were all outcasts in society. They were hated by others. And Jesus went to them. He talked with them. And he invested his life in them. That's the second mile. That's where we should be living. These people were considered by the religious elite of the day to be lowlifes in society. And yet Jesus forged relationships with them. That's second mile living. That was his life. That his teachings. His teachings also... I would like to read to you in context really what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter five. So let's start with verse number 38. It'll be up on the screen. Hopefully you have your Bible too. Um, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, uh, give somebody what they deserve. Whatever they give to you, give it right back to them. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now we look at that and we're like, well, that doesn't sound like right. Some, some of it, what Jesus is teaching us is, is um, uh, philosophical. It's, it's, it's an understanding that he wants us to live in the second mile, not in the first mile. Go beyond in your relationships. This is where it gets really hard sometimes. They're yelling at me. They're coming at me. They're not coming at somebody else, and I can triangulate with them and be upset with them. But this, this person, this spouse, this, this child, this neighbor, this coworker, it's personal. Jesus is saying, 
If you wanna take the sting out of that situation, you gotta grow up. And, and you gotta understand that there's something underneath their pain and suffering. Their anger, it, 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 it's expressing um, what's really underneath, which is pain and suffering. And so if you, wanna, if you want the relationship to be valued, you give them grace. Oh, that's hard. Now he's not saying just leave it at that and be a doormat. Let me just give you a little more coaching. Then after everything is calmed down and you're like, man, I can really see that you're really, this means a lot to you. You're really upset. You're really frustrated. I can see why you'd be so discouraged. Man, it must be difficult. Um, I, I really am sorry that you're going through how terrible that is. Maybe you're not even necessarily agreeing with their, are you all with me? You're not agreeing with, with their prognosis, but you're empathizing with what they're experiencing. That's good. And then later, you need to go back and have a conversation. Hey, I thought about what you said a little bit. When everything's calm, a day later or whatever, and revisit and say, can we talk about this a little bit more? You were really um, upset, and I'm wondering if we can kind of unpack this a little bit more. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying the second mile living is where we live, but all too often, we just want to give them back. Man, somebody punches you, you punch them back. Somebody insults you, you insult them back. Somebody wants to fight with you, you want to fight back with them. And Jesus is like, that's, that's, that's not second mile living. Second mile living says... Wow, I'll live, I'll live in grace. He tells us to turn the other cheek. One of the hardest things for us to do is, as human beings is to not retaliate. Oh, oh. I don't know if you know that. I mean, this, this thing is my, this is, this is my actual, I mean, I just grabbed a bag because it was in my office, but this is actually my, yeah, yeah this, this is my fighting gear bag, right? This is my sparring gear bag for, for Taekwondo classes and teaching martial arts and stuff. I'm not a guy who's like, oh, you hit me. Let me, let me put my hands down and let, let you hit me again, right? It's, it's hard to concentrate. It's no, you want to you block, evade, counter. That's what you want to do, right? And, but, but Jesus is saying emotionally, relationally speaking, block and evade and counter is not in the equation. He's saying go the second mile with them. It's tempting to hit back in some way those people who do wrong. But Jesus says, you know, turn the other cheek. And what he's saying is this world, these people are not your enemy. We have an enemy. And he's stirring the pot. And the enemy's name is Satan. Jesus tells us to resist the evil, to love somebody who opposes us. The world Listen to me, here's a good tweetable statement. The world cannot hurt us more than we can help them. Jesus says that if someone wants your coat, give to them your cloak also. In other words, don't let things hinder your relationships. I can't tell you how many families I've seen just pull apart when grandma and grandpa pass away and the assets have to be divided. And now it's a free-for-all. Don't let things hinder your relationships. He's not saying to let people take advantage of you. I just want to underscore that. But he's saying build a relationship in spite of their efforts. Wow, that's second mile living. This isn't easy stuff. This is not 101 Christianity. The third thought that I have tonight is we should require ourselves of ourselves. You should require of yourself second mile living are you committed to living in the second mile are you willing to take the extra step to call yourself a second mile follower of jesus 
in the first mile, that's what's required of us. It's, it's the mile that's mandated of us. We live in a world where many do not even make it to the first mile marker, right? That, 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 that is, they, they don't even do what's required of them in the office. They don't even do what's required of them at home or, or at church or wherever it might be. The first mile is vitally important. The first mile is what makes us function. We, we got to do the first mile. I mean, you can't skip the first mile and go to the second mile. You got to do the first mile. It's what's required of us. But the second mile, that's the sacrificial mile. The second mile, that's the commitment mile. Get this. The second mile, that's your breakthrough mile. Breakthrough does not come in the first mile. Breakthrough comes in the second mile. The second mile is the sowing of the seed mile. The second mile is your destiny mile. You won't find your destiny in the first mile. The second mile is your deliverance mile. This is where you find freedom. The second mile is your dream birthing mile. The second mile is your healing. The second mile is your set free mile. Those don't come in the first mile. They come in the second mile. And I am convinced that more souls would be saved if the church would live in the second mile. Jesus went to the second mile for all of us. So what does second mile living really mean, Troy? I'm glad you asked. It means to rise above the instinctive desire to strike back, to get even, to settle the score and meet evil with good instead. It means swallowing our pride and abandon our self-interest. It means to be slow to anger and rapid or quick to forgive. It means to live by grace in the face of the unfair. But it's not fair. It may never be fair this side of heaven. This isn't easy stuff. Jesus went much further than the second mile for you and for me. In fact, it says in, in John's gospel, chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus did go the first mile. He did what was required of him. He, he left heaven and he came in the form of human flesh here upon earth. He walked the earth among us, yet he wasn't contaminated by our sins. He was obedient to the Father. That is first mile living. He did what was required of him, but then he went the second mile all the way to the cross as our sin bearer. He could have called legions of angels to rescue him. He could have said as he was praying in the garden the night before he, he was beaten, smacked around and bruised and, and all the unfair, unjust trials that took place before he was whipped over and over again and reduced to just unrecognizable slaughtered flesh. He could have prayed and said, I'm not doing this, Father. There's, there, I'm going to do something else. But he, he went on and he's like, not my will, second mile living. That's, the, that's where I'm going to live. I, I'm going to do this. He could have he done so much, but he chose to live in the second mile for you and for me. And so the challenge for us, whew, 
It's really hard because here's what I know. The Spirit of God is going to give you an opportunity to live in the second mile, probably tonight. Nobody wants those opportunities. That means that you probably will feel this isn't fair. You'll probably have a feeling inside of you that it comes from your gut and works its way up. And you just feel like you, no, you're gonna wanna retaliate. I'm not saying let yourself be abused. Don't take everything that Jesus is saying in this as literal, like literally beat me up. That, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, do whatever you can do to preserve the relationship, knowing that hurting people hurt people, and don't become one of those hurt people that hurt people back, because it becomes contagious like dominoes, and it will never end. You can be a chain breaker. You can do that if you follow the precepts of God's Word. So being a second mile follower of Jesus is the challenge. And I know, I know in Modesto and in Decula, I know online, I know right here, you're gonna be given opportunities and look at it as an opportunity. Some of you tonight, you might have a disagreement with someone and it becomes personal. I want you to think to yourself, well, Troy said this just might happen. What a blessed opportunity this is that I get to turn the other cheek, <laughs> that I get to practice living in the second mile. Well, that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? If you live in the second mile, then others will live in the second mile for you. And doesn't that feel good when people extend you grace? Father, thank you for your word. Your word is so powerful. There's so much in this, such a challenge. But you would never ask us to do something if you wouldn't equip us to do it. And so tonight, God, I believe that you're, I believe that you're instructing us, but more than that, I believe that you're equipping us and drawing us to a higher level with you. Jesus, you went the first mile and you went the second mile. We're gonna need strength for this tonight, God. We're gonna need strength. So as we're thinking maybe about our relationships, our friends, maybe we're thinking about that antagonist that works with us. Maybe we're thinking about that family member that is driving us crazy. Maybe, maybe we're thinking about a, a, a parent or a child. Maybe we're thinking about a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse. Maybe we're thinking about a brother, or a sister, a cousin, a friend, a neighbor. Somebody. And Lord, you want us to go the second mile. Not to be a doormat. I'm not talking about a toxic relationship that probably needs some distance. I'm talking about a relationship that has value. That you know and we know that underneath their anger, their rage, is hurt, pain. Help us to help them, God, even when we're the subject of their assaults. God, help us to live in the second mile. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around. I wonder if there's someone here tonight at any of our 
campuses that would say, you know what, Troy, um, I didn't want to hear this tonight, but boy, this is really, this is right between the eyes. I, I need to live in the second mile. And I, I want to obey Jesus in this. I want to experience his blessings and I want others to experience God through me. And so this inside out, upside down, backward, against the flow way of living is, is an instruction from my Savior, but it's also a choice that I make. And so tonight I'm saying, God, I need your help. And you know the situation, you just know that. But God, I need your help with this person or this situation. Help me to be a second mile follower of Jesus. And if that's you at all our campuses, no one's looking around, just slip your hand up to heaven right now and say, God, I need help with this. God, I need help with this. Come on, I won't embarrass you. I just, I need help with this, God. I need help with this, God. God, I need help to live in the second mile. I know that I do. I need help to practice grace. I need help to give someone the benefit of the doubt. I I need help to support someone in their suffering and their pain. God, help me not to retaliate. Help me not to live a life of vengeance and keeping score and getting even. But God, rather I pray that you'd help me to live a life that is an example of grace, love, friendship, freedom. God, I pray that you would set the wrong thing right in the powerful, holy, incredible name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said amen and amen and amen. Praise God. This time we're going to say goodnight to our Modesto Tequila campuses. We love you and we pray that the Lord would bless you, would keep you make his face to shine upon you, would lift up his countenance upon you, would give you rest and would give you peace. God bless your campuses. Amen, amen, and amen.